1: Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett.
2: And I'm Erin Street, and this is episode 348 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Stephanie is talking with my wife, Kelly Street, about the importance of quarterly retreats for your firm and how to run them.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Get Staffed Up, Postali, Rankings.o, and Text Expander. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them later on.
2: So this week, it feels appropriate since you and Kelly are about to have a conversation about law firm strategic planning retreats for you and I to chat a little bit about the fact that you and I both took ourselves on solo personal retreats in the last couple of months.
1: Yeah, I'll confess that you gave me the idea and I don't know that I've ever traveled by myself like intentionally in this way. Like I've certainly traveled for business by myself, but I've never just gone on a trip by myself, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah, same. I've been on any number of work trips for conferences that I was the only person I knew going to and that kind of thing. But my idea a few months ago was a little different. I decided to take a day off and go for a long weekend to our family cabin just a couple hours away with no plans, no agenda, and most importantly, no other people or obligations. I brought a stack of, I mean, honestly, it was probably 15 or 20 books, <laughs> not with the idea that I would even read one of them, but I wanted to have kind of lots of different paths and ideas at my fingertips as needed. And I had no official structure. I also made a point of bringing lots of ability to write things, journals and pens and paper, that kind of stuff. And it was awesome.
1: Yeah. And you kind of inspired me. So I did something a little different in that I actually found, what's the right word? It's like a retreat center. Like it was a resort that offered holistic classes and fitness classes and outdoor adventure. I was actually in Southern Utah, which is very far away from my home in Atlanta. And so I couldn't take 15 books, although I would have if I could have just because I was on an airplane. So I probably took four in a journal I had no agenda other than I knew there were certain classes and hikes that I wanted to go on. And same, it was just so awesome to have time and space and to be by myself. I I haven't had that many meals by myself in a really long time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it feels interesting on this podcast because so many of our listeners and labsters come to us with challenges around overwhelm and feeling like there's just so much pressure on them and looking for specific tactics and tools to kind of get out of that. And like to a large degree, both this isn't that and this is exactly what you need in those instances. Like it doesn't help you to get more things done to literally spend three days checked out from everything and all your obligations. But it is now that I've done it, it's very clear that it's like the space one needs in the midst of feeling overwhelmed to get like a full reset and some new clarity on how to move forward.
1: Yeah, I would recommend it to everyone. And it's super weird. Like I thought I was going to go into it and use my mind space in one way. And then different ideas came to me during the weekend that really helped clarify some things that were happening for me and some decisions I was making for myself that I wasn't expecting. And I think it was just being able to have to have that time to do that thinking work. Because, I mean, even in real life. I don't know. We're just always bombarded with all these things coming at us all the time.
2: Yeah. And I know, I mean, not to preview too much, but in your conversation with Kelly coming up, there's going to be a lot of kind of tactical stuff around what should the agenda of your retreat be and what kinds of things should you try to get done and get out of it? And at least for me, I'm very good at those kinds of retreat. I'm really good at strategic thinking and figuring out what are all the questions I want to tackle. And knowing that I'm very good at that, I actually quite deliberately went into my personal retreat without any of that. I made a point of not saying, what am I trying to solve during the next three days? And instead just gave myself lots of space to see what came up kind of naturally and organically rather than forcing anything.
1: Yeah. And you'll appreciate like, cause you know me so well, I talk a lot and I process out loud. And so one of the things that came up for me is I was having all these cool ideas and things were coming up and I was like, oh, who who can I talk to about this? So I ended up signing up for this e-bike tour through the canyon and my poor tour guides. Luckily, I ended up being the only person on the tour. So my tour guides had to hear my whole life story as I was like, I need to talk to someone. This is really hard.
2: Well, at least you got an outlet. Yeah.
1: So, so it was great, but totally unexpected. But then I was really excited to kind of come home and share with my husband and with you and all the things that I was thinking about. So I definitely got a lot out of it. And it's something I want to make a point of doing more regularly. And, it, and I think as people listen to what Kelly and I talk about, I hope you'll sense that what Aaron and I are talking about right now is so very different than the quarterly retreat. And you you really right. need both. They have very different functions. I
2: guess, especially since Kelly's conversation is coming up in just a minute, it feels worth pointing out kind of one subtle thing here that could trip some people up is I have heard about other people doing this for a long time. In fact, our co-owner sam glover was doing things like this a few years ago and at the time i kind of poo-pooed it he deliberately signed up for weekend long retreats at like a monastery that wasn't affiliated with any belief system he was connected to he just knew it was a cool space and so once every year or two he would go to this silent meditation monastery for two days and for those of you who know sam know how (laughs) potentially out of character that would otherwise be but he always loved it the last couple of years, Kelly has been going on solo retreats. She's gone camping by herself for a weekend each year for the last couple of years. And so I kind of specifically got this idea from her. And I think it's worth pointing out that, especially in the context of small law firms and law firm owners, I think there can often be a tendency for spouses to feel either the burdens of the stress that the law firm owner places on them or feel like the law firm owner gets special rights and privileges that the non-lawyer spouse might not get. And at least in my family, it's really important for this to be something that because I see the value in it, that also means that I see the value in other people doing it. And so it isn't that I, as the entrepreneur, get to go on solo retreats and my wife Kelly has to stay home. Certainly, she stayed home while I did mine, but I made space for her to do her own this year. And I think for a lot of law firm owners, kind of making sure that your family isn't just acquiescing to you doing stuff like this, but that they're bought in because they're also going to get similar opportunities for their own growth is an important thing.
1: Yeah, that totally resonates. And I guess the the last thing I'd say about mine is I got a lot of clarity around like where I wanted to put energy for my charitable work, you know, for my personal health. Like it really wasn't business ideas for sure came up because that's just something that I was thinking about. But I found some of the biggest breakthroughs happening sort of in my personal space, if that makes
3: sense. Totally.
1: Now we have Zach's conversation with Get Staffed Up and then my conversation with Kelly.
3: Hey, y'all. Zach here, the legal tech advisor at Lawyerist, and I am joined today by Brett Trimbley, an attorney out of Miami and co-founder of Get Staffed Up. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Get Staffed Up is an offshore staffing service for lawyers and law firms in the United States. Brett, thanks for joining me today. Zach, man, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So with Get Staffed Up, it's my understanding that the, the impetus for this actually comes from your own experience as a lawyer, right? Absolutely. I I have a law firm
4: now that's uh, 10 attorneys and almost 30 staff people in Miami, Florida, business law, franchise law, etc. Still very active in that business. But early on, Zach, I couldn't figure out how to grow the thing or really have any time to do anything except, you know, hustle as much as I could all week and then work weekends to try to do some legal work. And so many lawyers are caught up in that and they just don't know how, like, what's the magic pill? Right. The answer is you are what you spend your time on. So if you're if you're yeah. answering the phone all day, well, you're not doing legal work, you're not getting more work, et cetera, and you have to start delegating, you, you cannot do everything. I, the analogy I always use is a restaurant where you've got one guy, like many you know, law firms or one, one guy or girl, right you've got a restaurant owner that's the sommelier the line cook the head chef the waiter the busboy or girl it's like that's terrible food it's a terrible business you have to get help and delegate items especially your low-paid administrative items it sounds simple but when you go from doing one on average per day lawyers do one solo lawyers do one hour of legal work per day billable if you go to two boom you double your firm because it's simple math that's what happened to me. You know,
3: I learned that in about 2014, the hard way, and uh, things took off. So we all kind of think about, okay, yes, I know I can delegate things. It would be great if I could get this off my plate. But I think in the practical sense, people don't know exactly what to delegate away to somebody else. As lawyers, we are wont to give any control of something away. So what would you suggest would be something that is a, a simple kind of quick thing that somebody could delegate? well your email one lawyer spends so much time like email can dominate
4: our day if we let it and Mm -hmm. email is just an electronic mail so if you figure the mailman back in the day would bring the the law firm mail someone else would open it someone else would sort it someone else would put it on your desk and you would only answer what's important you can treat your email the exact same way we have a resource called taming the monster on our website and i teach a course on how to stop letting email own your life But a Mm -hmm. a better example is most of us go through like, we're just trying so hard to stay above water, right? To stay afloat. right? And we're not analyzing how we're spending our time. So just write down everything you do for three days. I like everything, just put it in your phone, put it on a notepad. At the end of the day, you're gonna, three days, you're gonna be blown away by what you're actually spending your time on. Take a highlighter, a pink highlighter and a yellow highlighter. Pink is everything I hate doing. Yellow is everything I shouldn't be doing, I don't wanna be doing. And that's your easy, quick
3: delegation list. It, it really is yeah. profoundly simple when you when you start doing it that way. I like the separating out the things I hate doing and, and things I, I don't need to be doing, you know, because that is kind of the two categories that, that you think of that you need to move away from. You should be doing the things that you, A, enjoy, because we're we're attorneys, we're, we're trying to do this. Generally, we get into this to help people and to, you know, to enjoy what we're doing. So try to do those things. But I also like this idea of having somebody else in my email. My email, Zach at is actually kind of staffed by somebody else. They determine what is what is necessary and what needs to get to me. I like that as a, a mail system. And so that's something that a virtual assistant can help you with pretty quickly, right? Pretty quickly. And
4: and that that turns them into handling your calendar and saving you just gobs and gobs of time. Zach will never do more and be more if we don't have time to do more and be more and Mm -hmm. so if you if you spend a little bit of time to save yourself more time hire the one this it could be in in person i'm not saying it has to be virtual of course we do virtual Mm -hmm. staffing because frankly it ends up being way cheaper when you're trying to grow a business and your overhead continues to grow along with your revenue it's Mm -hmm. daunting it's frustrating and it's hard so the virtual route, not all my people are virtual by any means. And I, and I grew, you know, we hit the Inc. 5000. We qualified before I started going virtual. So it is possible, mm-hmm. but virtual has really changed the work-life balance of our team at my law firm, for example, and helped us just delegate so many more things. If you just realize you can't do everything on your own and
3: you have to get help. Right. And I'm, I'm assuming, and, and I imagine a lot of the listeners are also assuming that, when you go virtual, we're talking about being able to have kind of fractional virtual assistants as, as well, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to hire somebody full-time. They're going to come into my office. They're going to sit down and I need to fill up their plate with stuff to do. We're talking being able to have kind of fractional stuff. You, I need you to do these things and it's going to take this long. Am I right on that?
4: You can hire fractional virtual assistants. We only do full-time and mm-hmm. get staffed up. I are- Argue very frequently that based on the price point, which is just about ten dollars per hour, you know, four hundred dollars per week, you will fill up one person's time easily with full time work. For example, mm-hmm. one person, because your phone can be answered anywhere in the world through VoIP, you can have someone answer your right. phones, do your do your calendar, do your email, while you suddenly can build two and maybe three hours per day in legal work. You're going to see the revenue substantially change, and then be able to hire more and more. When you piecemeal it i think you're selling yourself short when you're doing just projects it takes so much time to delegate the project look at the project give more feedback and then get the project done because you wanted to do part-time and usually a part-time it's it's someone different and they rotate mm-hmm. you're just not going to grow as fast that way and the cohesion is not going to be there we're giving you a full-time person who's part of your team so it's another employee for all intents and purposes they just work with you through a computer, which means they can do about 98% of the things you need done in your work and in your life.
3: Right, right. Okay. Well, so if people want more information on this, on how they can start delegating to a virtual assistant, they can visit getstaffedup.com forward slash lawyerist. Brett, thanks for joining me today. As we say, Zach, delegate your way to freedom. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Hello, Stephanie. It's great to be here with you and to be talking to the lawyerist community about retreats. First off, for anybody who doesn't know who I am, Kelly Street, I am a actually a lab community coach. I am an entrepreneur with a small e-commerce business, and I also am a psychology student on the side. So I've got a, a few things going on, but Along with that, in my coaching work that I do, I focus a lot on the fundamentals of the EOS entrepreneurial operating system and how that can inform your business and your law practice. Yeah. Hey, Kelly, it's
1: so great to be talking to you. And boy, you wear a lot of hats right now. (laughs) (laughs) I do
0: like my hats. I like my shoes better. So maybe I should say Mm -hmm. I wear a lot of shoes.
1: (laughs) I like that. We're going to change it up. So today we thought we'd chat about quarterly retreats and maybe we should even say quarterly leadership retreats to even phrase it more. So maybe we just kick it off by what is a quarterly leadership retreat?
0: Yeah. So I guess my definition of a quarterly leadership retreat is Really, that it's a full day where uh companies leaders take the time to strategize, plan, and get organized for the next 90 days ahead. Yeah. And people may be wondering,
1: like, why 90 days? Why quarterly? What are your thoughts and experience there?
0: So in the sort of EOS terminology, it's a 90-day world, but in how to translate that into actual Knowledge for people is just that's a really good framework and time frame that your brain can understand and look ahead without getting distracted by things you know further ahead than 90 days. So you can do your long term visioning, long term planning for the company, but really you're focusing on what can get accomplished in this next 90 day period of time and it's actionable it is things that are going to you're going to see real benefit from in your business whereas planning one year three year five years ahead of time you still want to do it it's just a little bit less tangible
1: yeah i mean i'm thinking of like the annual resolutions right that time is yes. coming up soon And we all are, a lot of us are like, yes, this year I'm going to do this thing. And then how long does that really last? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So the 90 days makes sense because it's a little bit shorter and it's kind of easier to stay focused for those 90 days, I think.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Maybe we would all do better if we made 90 day resolutions, but you know, anyway, I still, and I would say from there, it's, It's not just about that 90 days. It's about that you can kind of plan out how things will go over that period of time. You can sort of look at, okay, this is where we want to be 90 days from now, but how do we actually get there? What are we doing every month? What are we doing every week? What are we doing every day? And you're sort of always breaking it down incrementally even further when you think about just one quarter at a time. Yeah. So
1: I framed it up as a leadership retreat. And so maybe that begs the question, who actually should be in the room for this time?
0: Yeah. And I think the best way to think about who should be there is definitely, you know, if it's a leadership retreat, it's the leaders of the business. One of the things that we teach in lab is the idea of an accountability chart. And so with that, you would really be Taking into consideration who are the leaders of the business, who is the person, if you have the visionary integrator format or CEO, COO, are those people, you know, different people in your organization? They should be there. If you have someone who's leading sales and marketing, who's leading kind of your operations, you know, the act of lawyering. They should be there. And then also if you have someone who is kind of the head of your finance, if you're a solopreneur or a solo firm owner, you might be the person in all of those seats and wearing all of those hats or shoes. But if there are multiple people involved, you really want all the core decision makers to be at the table, putting their heads together, making the decisions about what comes next in the 90 days. Yeah.
1: Do you have any thoughts or advice for those folks who maybe maybe they're not like a true solo? Maybe, maybe they're just like the only lawyer at the firm. They have a team, but it's not as developed as what we just said. I think sometimes those folks might be thinking, how does
0: this apply to me? Yeah, that's a really good question. When it comes to companies where you don't have a defined leadership team, but you do have other people that you want to be in the room... I say, depending on how much you want their opinion or how much you want their influence, bring them in the room. It doesn't necessarily have to be with the mindset that suddenly they're your equal business partner. Because I think sometimes that happens in ownership with a business is that you think, oh, well, only the owner should be the ones making the decision. And maybe that's true for your business. Maybe that's how you want it to run, but maybe you do want a more collaborative environment where you don't have to literally be bought into the partnership in order to be making the decisions about the direction of the firm and where things are going. Yeah,
1: that resonates. I think another thing as you were talking that I was thinking about is for some folks, if they are on their own, this might be an interesting time to sort of develop a board of advisors. Maybe there's some people who aren't on your team at all, but they might be willing to gift you a day or maybe you could even pay them to come in because it's very hard when you're on your own to do that priority work and to really step back and see the big picture. I find that like in my role as a coach, and I'm sure that you see this too, just having an outside party ask questions and really helps people see it in a different light, right? Like all of a sudden they're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that part of my business. So it's really hard to do that big thinking and strategic priority work on your own. So maybe this is a chance to add in and and it doesn't even have to be a lawyer. It could be someone who's in a whole nother industry and they could bring different thoughts to your business.
0: You know, Stephanie, I hadn't thought of that sort of board of advisors possibility before. And that's really cool. I think that could be extremely helpful for a lot of solo or maybe just two partner firms. Because one of the things that I see happening sometimes in Sort of smaller companies where it's one person or two people that are leading the direction of the company is that sometimes they get into this quarterly retreat day and they just get mired in the details of sort of going round and around about the same issues again and again, and they never really get any resolution. And then the other thing that happens is when the pendulum swings the opposite way, and these days become task oriented. Small issue solving, just one thing at a time. And you really want your retreat to be somewhere in the middle of those. So, bringing in an outside person who has maybe the only stake in the business is that they want you to succeed and they can ask the questions you're not thinking of. They can maybe help you push through those moments where you're just getting stuck in what you've always done before.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in full disclosure, so. It could also be an outside facilitator. So I've had firms reach out to us here at Lawyerist and ask if this is something that we could do. Like maybe they weren't ready to join our lab program, but they really needed help, you know, with this initial thing. And we responded. And so we've put together, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I just realized it in our conversation, like this is something we could potentially offer people if they're interested. So reach out to me if you want to know more. But I think having an outside facilitator really helps. But off of that and back onto our topic, I think we probably just assume this, but we should probably sit, just say these often work best out of the office, right? Like it's good to get away into a different environment.
0: Yes, absolutely. That is always my one of my first points with the companies when I talk to them about doing retreat days is you have to get out of the space where you're normally working in. And even if you are working from home and, and I've led retreat days where they're all online and people are just doing them from home. If you can get out of that space and go to a different, go to a co-working office for just a day, or maybe normally you're working from home and your family is at home. If you could ask them to step out for the day, so you could just have a slightly different frame of mind to be working on your business in, it can make all the difference. Yeah.
1: My husband's team is even, I mean, before the pandemic, we used to rent like an Airbnb and there was something fun and different about making a meal together, right? As a, as a team, as part of that process. So I like doing things with our hands and doing the thinking. So how do people prepare? What do you like to ask people to
0: do before they actually get to the retreat? So first thing is kind of what are the main things that you would like to get out of that day? Are you trying to work on your mission, vision, values? From there, have your agenda set, even if it's just for you and you're saying, I'm going to work on this for an hour, I'm going to do this for a couple of hours, have the agenda and stick to it so that you, you make sure that you're keeping on track, that you're focusing through the day and that you get through all the things you want to get through. Another thing is definitely having everyone block off that time to where they don't have any appointments. They don't have any things that are going to interrupt their schedule. I usually will require companies to not have any technology in the room. Phones have to be away, have to be to the side. You know, you print everything out ahead of time that you need, questions that you want to ask yourself, what you want to work on. And you have a notebook, you have pens or pencils, you have a whiteboard and nothing else that could distract you from what you're doing, because it is so easy to just crack open the laptop and say, oh, I'm just going to search for this one thing, or I'm just going to check this question on Google. And then an hour later, you've scrolled through Facebook and you realize you didn't get anything done. Yeah. You're working on a client issue on and on. Yeah. And let the
1: team know you are out, like not available. Like hold the questions, hold all the issues. They'll be there when you get back.
0: Yes. Unless the building is burning down,
1: you are not available. Exactly. One of the things that our team does before our quarterly retreat is we take the solo small firm scorecard. And for us, we're not a law firm. It's obviously written for law firms. We just use those questions to think about our business. And then we have a little chart that we create that has everyone's scores and also compares it to the last quarter. So it's interesting to see how our scores change over time. And it really reflects what's going on in the business and which parts of our business we feel really strong about or which ones we think need more attention that quarter.
0: Yes, that's awesome. I love it when businesses do things like that, where they have, especially the solo small firm scorecard has all of these specific areas. So you can kind of, you can take that and then you go into your retreat saying, all right, I still have some blind spots or some missing points in my business on this area, this area, and that area. Here's what I need to focus on. That's, you know, a plus for you guys. Lawyerist. <laughs> yes, Thank you. <laughs> All right,
1: we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, let's dive into what we're going to do when we are at the retreat.
3: It's hard to keep up with trends when you're rushing to court and helping clients. But new cases hinge on topping the results page. You need a marketing partner to keep you informed and your firm growing. That partner is Postali. And you should know about Google local service ads. LSAs connect you with folks searching for nearby legal services. LSAs show up at the top of the page. Higher than maps and other listings. And the best part, you only pay if you're contacted through the ad. Appearing when somebody searches for lawyers near me has never been easier or more affordable, letting you focus on the law. LSAs are a great addition to existing PPC efforts or a standalone initiative. Quickly initiated by the Postali team, LSAs and a partnership with Postali can get your firm where it belongs. To learn more about LSAs and Postali services, Visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist and reach out for a free consultation. Support for today's episode comes from Rankings.io, a search engine optimization agency working exclusively for personal injury law firms. Simply put, Rankings.io helps personal injury law firms dominate first page rankings. You'll never have to chase them for an update or hunt them down for an answer. Your clients expect you to be accessible and rankings will meet that standard for communication and transparency. You'll have a full team of SEO specialists fighting to put you at the top of the Google search results. Personal Injury Lawyer SEO is all they do, so all of their processes, playbooks, and people are completely focused on generating qualified cases for your firm. Best of all, you'll be one of an elite few. Delivering exceptional service and results requires focus, so rankings.io carefully vets clients before accepting them. They're an ideal fit for growth-oriented personal injury law firms. To see if you're a fit, visit rankings.io forward slash lawyerist to get started. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry. Spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit TextExpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander.
1: Okay, Kelly, we're back. We've done our prep work. We've told everyone we're not available. We are out of the office or in a different space, and it's actually retreat
0: day. So now, what are we going to (laughs) do? Yay! Well, you are going to take that handy agenda that you have put together for yourself And if you are not an agenda person like I am, and that seems overwhelming to you, I promise you, if you Google quarterly retreat agenda online, you will find some magnificent, easy to follow agendas that you can sort of make for yourself and and fix up a little bit. So you're going to take that agenda. You're going to take your hopefully lack of technology and or reduce technology and get in your space And if you are working with a team, your whole leadership team, I would suggest you start off with something like an icebreaker or some questions that are going to get you in a business cooperative mindset. So you want to ask questions that are going to reduce some of the barriers that we normally have in our work life, where we're not thinking about day-to-day, we're not really thinking about who we are and what we want. But in this quarterly retreat, you want to bring a little bit more vulnerability, a little bit more open-mindedness. And so asking some questions that can get you in that headspace are just really beneficial for the team.
1: Yeah. We usually go around the room and say our best personal news of the quarter, our best business news of the quarter, which is really fun just to hear what everyone shares. And then usually we say something like, one thing that's working one thing that's not and we don't do any discussion of those things at that moment but it's just kind of a way to get everyone thinking about the business and what's working and and what's not and
0: starting that process yes yes and as a <laughs> as an observer i always love hearing and noticing the personalities of people in the room when those are said because you can kind of tell with different team members, just how comfortable they are with sharing those different things. So yeah, side note, that's, (laughs) that's my psychology brain coming through. (laughs) No, I get it. And we've done different variations, but
1: whatever works for you and your team. And so then for us, after we sort of do that, some kind of team icebreaker type thing, segue thing, we do an assessment of where we are now. So we sort of check in and say, this is our vision, our values, our long-term and short-term goals. And do all of these things still resonate? Does everyone understand them? Are we on the same page?
0: Yes, exactly. That's where I always love to go next after that as well. And part of the reason for that mentality of going from, you know, kind of opening the stage, getting people a little bit more used to sharing, and then you move into mission, vision, values is, Because you want to make sure that everyone feels really good about this business that they're going to work on, that they're all bought into where the company is going. And you do that right away in the morning or one of the first things you do so that everyone's like, yes, I love this place. I want to keep doing this. Yeah,
1: I agree. And it really helps kind of reframe the discussion for everyone because for us, at least, We're never short on ideas, right? Like we always Mm -hmm. have all these things that we know we could do. And then the hard part is, but what should we do? And so starting the day with vision really helps us remember, this is the long-term goal of what we're trying to get to, to help answer that question. What should we do?
0: Yes. And then from there, you can work on the issues of the business. These are the things that are your stumbling blocks, the things that keep coming up time and time again, that you're getting stuck on in the business. And it's keeping you from moving forward. It's keeping you from the revenue you want, from having the kinds of clients that you want, all of that stuff that is just a little bit harder that you don't have time to really focus on and pick apart on a week by week basis. Yeah. And then what do we do to think about the future? So is that kind of then the third piece that comes up? Yes, the third piece. So you're looking at sort of the kind of the clouds where you want to be, then you're getting down in the dirt and you're thinking about the issues and then you go, okay, now that we know where we want to be and who we are and what is keeping us from getting there. Now we can make a plan of action to get from point A to point B or beyond. And that's where you set those 90 day goals, those rocks, those quarterly, you know, KPIs, whatever you want to call them, that's when you start working on those. Yeah, the priorities of the business.
1: To me, and I've done this work with lots of firms before as the facilitator and obviously with our business, this is always one of the harder parts because everyone's usually excited and there's all these possibilities. We've just dreamed about all the things we can do. And now it's time to be really realistic and hard about, but what can we actually get done in the next 90 days?
0: Yes, this can be such a challenge for people. And again, not to divide everybody into two groups, but I generally see companies who either set way too many, way big goals that no way could you accomplish this in 90 days, or they set tasks for themselves during the 90 days. And, um, you really want to be looking at your rocks and thinking about, is this something that I can do in a week? Or is this something that's going to take a few days to do if I really put my attention on it? If it is not probably not a worthy 90 day goal, that's something you can, you know, give yourself a task to do and, and focus on that for a week but it's something that this is going to take you a while to build or to get to. So making sure that it's long enough, that it has enough breadth and width as a goal, but is also something that you actually can do. And the other thing with with these 90-day goals or rocks is it's not all necessarily, or it doesn't all necessarily have to be on you to accomplish them. You want to make sure one person is accountable for it. But that doesn't mean that that one person, especially if you've got a leadership team, is the only person who can do anything attached to this. It really is a whole leadership team effort. Anytime you're getting the team together and doing these retreats, it's all hands on deck. But at the end of the day, one person is the one who's saying, I'm making sure this is getting done. I'm putting my name on it. I'm going to be the person who says, check, this is done.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. They don't have to do all the work, but they have to say, they have to make sure it's going to get done. Yes. And then in terms of the rest of the team, so if we ended the day, we came up with our rocks, we had know everyone who's going to be assigned to them. Now, what do we do, you know, in terms of bringing in the other team members and having them understand what it was that we accomplished on this day and how we get their alignment?
0: Yeah, well, I know you probably won't contradict this too much but i am in favor of pretty full transparency with teams and i think it is really important for team members who are not involved in leadership planning to at least be looped into what the bigger vision and strategy of the business is so my recommendation is that leadership team then in the next day or week ahead goes back to the rest of the team and says hey, everybody else, this is what we're doing as a company. This is who we are. This is what our goals are for the next 90 days. Here's where we want to loop you in and we want your help. But just so you know, this is what this firm is going to do in the next 90 days. And are you all bought in? Yay. Kinds of (laughs) of conversations. I'll confess that this is a piece that,
1: I don't know, I almost want to say like I took it for granted that you know, after we would always do that piece where we would loop the rest of the team in, but I wasn't always as intentional with the messaging, right? Like it was just Mm -hmm. like, hey, here's what we talked about. And I just would ramble on. Um, And then I did some reading around team alignment and how you really make sure your team is bought in and engaged with this. And one of the takeaways from that work was really spending time getting clear on this messaging before you take it to the rest of the team. And the example they used that made sense to me was like a politician has their stump speech with their talking points. And like, we're in it. We're in it every day. We know what leadership's doing. We know where we want this business to go, but sometimes our team doesn't. And so that's where we become the chief reminding officer. And so what are our two or three talking points that we would want our team members to take away from that retreat? And so this past quarter, I really spent like a lot of time thinking about, okay, we talked about all these things during our retreat. What's most important for the team to know and where do I need their buy-in and how can I craft that message that will allow that to happen? And so I just spent a lot more time in that piece than I had before, but I will, it's really made a difference. You can ask anyone on our team right now, our top three priorities for this quarter, and they will all say the exact same thing, which is amazing. (laughs) Like That's what we want. So that is awesome. I love it. I mean, yeah, it sounds easy, but I'll be the first to say we didn't always do it. So, you know, it's just like, don't forget this final step. It's really super important too.
0: Yeah. And I know so many of our labsters are working against the typical law firm mentality where there's this separation between lawyers and then every non-lawyer, you know, (laughs) the terminology lawyer and non-lawyers, lumping people into those groups. And our Labsters are amazing. They are working against that. They have a very cohesive team when they have teams. And I think this is one other way to solidify that of bringing other people in, getting the whole firm on board, whether you're practicing law, you're a paralegal, you're the receptionist, you're all part of this whole system. So I love that it's a thing that lawyers teaches and also practices internally. Yeah, me too. Any parting thoughts or advice we should tell people that we haven't covered? So I was thinking about for solo law firms, I was asked the question recently about quarterly retreats for solos or people who say you know what? I can't take a whole day. I don't know how to do an entire day where I step away from the business. Everything's going to fall apart if I do that. And my response to that was noted. That's great to know that you are feeling like your firm cannot handle a single day without you. In the meantime, while you get to, while you start to unravel that overwhelm, what you can do instead is, instead of taking a whole day away, is take an hour, start with an hour, try that, see what you can accomplish in an hour, work your way up to a half day. See if you can take in a month or two down the road, take a half day and work on a half day retreat. And then hopefully from there, you can work up to a full day and take a step back to work on your business instead of getting caught up in the mire and the things that are happening every day in the business. Yeah. Awesome
1: advice. Thanks, Kelly, for coming back and giving us such an amazing insight into having a quarterly leadership retreat. I hope everyone will start doing it right
0: away. The Lawyerist podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com community lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.